Welcome to Watch This Space, the podcast about future of work. Every month, we bring you insider perspectives on how digital transformation, emerging tech, and generational change are shaping the future of work. We are two analog guys finding the groove for all of this in today's digital world. I'm John Arnold, and these trends are my focus as an independent tech analyst in my company, J. Arnold & Associates. And I'm Chris Fine. I'm an independent consultant and strategist specializing in workplace technology, IoT, and security. My company is Integrative Technologies. Hi, John. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another month of Watch This Space, right? Exactly. Moving into 2023 here. Yes, we have turned the page. New year, uh, new season. This is season six, if you don't know, of our podcast and our Uh, I was going to say viewership, I guess it's listenership, is continuing to grow. So I know we keep kind of reaching not just uh, a broader base, Chris, but, you know, more uh, more corners of the earth. As I as I look at the uh, that, you know, the download stats from uh, Podbean, the the platform that hosts us. um, Yeah, it's funny. Some some months you get you get like. Oh, there's like downloads coming from like Australia. Well, there's one that in another month, there's downloads coming from Israel. And then there's downloads coming from, you know, various European countries. Um, And it's kind of almost like it's different every month. And I can't explain it, but uh, we'll take it. Uh, But I'm standing pat on one thing, Chris. We are sticking to an English-only podcast. There's plenty of real-time translation software out there if you have to go to something else, right? Well, I'm not sure I would have a choice because any other language I might have, I might know any of is fragmentary and is going to sound awful. And we want to sound good. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Both in fidelity and language. Yes. Yes. We need this. We also have to keep our unique, distinct, humanistic vibe going here, Chris, because just in the short time between last month's podcast and this month's podcast, ChatGPT has been like all the buzz everywhere. And uh, it's, it, that's a subtle segue into the future work event I'll get to in a moment. But, you know, it's it's sometimes these trends come out of nowhere. And uh, if we're not careful, uh, you know, ChatGPT could be uh, producing its own podcast, stealing our stuff if, if we don't uh, pay attention. Well, one one can always worry, right? I mean... I, I think it'll be a while, but I do I do think that the growth of that tool is so enormous that I, I read a lot of websites, including so-called news websites, not mm-hmm. not the mainstream ones, but sort of I think I see a lot of filler content that's been generated by some kind of AI, but that's a whole topic for another podcast. Yeah, it sure is. And not to mention the corollary is all the all the big tech pushback that we're seeing about it, you know, you know, monopolistic practices. And uh, well, boy, we're going to get into a rabbit hole. I'm going to stop on this one because it's just so damn interesting. Uh, Let's let's focus to what's happening right now, because these podcasts have to stay on a kind of a good discipline of time. So we are going to be together. We're going to be in the same place physically for a change uh, a couple of weeks from now. So I'm going to do just a short uh, hello and shout out for the Future of Work Expo running in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Uh, It's part of the IT Expo, which has been running for 
decades now by TMC, longtime trade publishers and event producers. And they have branched out in recent years and they've added several sub-events to the Big Tent show. And one of them is Future of Work Expo. And this is my fifth year being the chair. So I'm the guy who puts the program together, recruits the speakers and kind of makes the show go. So we are getting very close now and our sessions are running Feb 14th to 16th. That's a Tuesday to a Thursday. And uh, we're just about done, Chris, recruiting for all of the panels. We'll just uh, we'll have them all locked up in the next couple of days. And uh, I'm very happy to say we've got a very full and varied program of topics, speakers, brand name companies, not so well-known companies, just to really broaden the mix of perspectives. So looking forward to running that again. And you are going to be joining me for a little bit of that. I am. And I'm really looking forward to it, John. It looks like a great agenda. I'm going to be on a panel and I think I'm moderating another one, but it's just going to be great to see everybody there. As John mentioned, John's modest, but he's put together a huge program. If you're interested in the future of work, it's going to be great. And it is also worth noting that if you come to this thing, there's a, a number of other conferences simultaneously, for example, around IoT. Uh, so you kind of you kind of can study several topics and learn about the players and, t- and trends in several areas. But the future of work program is definitely key. Yes, and I, you know, the, the longer we keep doing this event under that name, Chris, the more ridiculous it sounds because we keep talking about the future as if it's something coming, but it's here, right? And so um, I, I, I don't want to oversell that future term too much here because you know so much is changing in front of us in real time practically so that's why we keep doing this show every year because there's a new twist uh you know literally all the time and speaking of chat gpt we recently just added that last minute as a panel session so if you want to hear what's happening there that's probably worth the price of coming alone but you are also worth the price of coming alone chris because you're going to be sharing highlights from the leesman aruba study and that's what we're going to focus on today. So I'm going to turn most of uh, the floor over to you for now and maybe set us up with a bit of background about it. And uh, these are some of the things you're going to talk about on the panel session you're going to be speaking on at Future of Work as well. Great. Well, thanks, John. So today we're going to talk about the highlights of a research report that was recently released under the under the banner of two companies, HPE and Aruba which is Hewlett-Packard's Enterprises Edge and Networking Division, and Leesman Index. And a lot of people know about Aruba. Um, you know, they they make a they started out uh, 20 years ago in Wi-Fi and one of the first enterprise Wi-Fi players. But now they provide solutions across all of the edge technologies and areas like SD WAN. And I will say that I was part of the team that worked on this report, and this came out of work we had done over a period of years recently, both pre and during and post the pandemic about um, smart workplace and the future of the workplace and workplace technology. And the background to this report was we we thought that we had seen more and more that in, in, in thinking about the future of work that technology companies really need to think about applications and use cases that, that can then highlight the power of their technology versus just purely the technology itself. And so we wanted to find a way to 
get a really good database and a good research team to create a report that was more focused on constituencies like end users and workers, you know, workers, as well as real estate chiefs, because we found also that the real estate uh, management, both on the on the side of landlords, but also the side of um, corporate real estate professionals are becoming more and more a part of the technology story. And so we turned to a company called Leaseman Index that we'd gotten to know pretty well uh, during our work on smart spaces. We'd been on panels with them and we we got to know the team pretty well. And basically what Leaseman does is they go and survey workers. Uh, they're retained by by usually HR or sometimes real estate or whoever uh, to go survey workers on many, many aspects of the workplace and how how well the workplace serves its function and how well the the, the facilities serve the workers. And so um, this was an enormous database that it was more than a million data points going back to the beginning of Leesman's work. And it was not financed or focused really on the tech industry. It was more on the end users. And so this seemed like a really good place to start. And um, we ended up with about between 75 and 100,000 data points, which is gigantic for a survey that were pandemic and post-pandemic. And we were able to, to analyze things across a lot of dimensions. And we also had an extensive database from about 125 real estate chiefs. Um, so we got a lot of good info about where office space is going, how it's going to be fitted out, um, you know, the strategy thinking post, post-pandemic. And our overall question was, what is the future of work in the workplace in a, in a post-COVID age? And that's a little bit of background uh, to the report, John. So I think, you know, we're going to spend the rest of this podcast talking about some of the conclusions, but we're going to put the link uh, to the to the work uh, in John's newsletter, but also in the synopsis of the podcast. So it's, it's free to access. If you want to download the full report, you have to give your name and contact info, but the synopsis is there for the taking. And uh, if you're interested in the future of work, this is really worth taking a look at. Right, John? Oh yeah, for sure. You know, I'm as a I'm a market researcher by trade. That was my vocation before becoming a tech analyst. And uh, anytime I see a good report with solid data behind it, I I it's it's like this is what I like to do. So I'm always keen to look at the numbers and how the story that it tells. And so you've you've got you said I think you said five kind of you know top line takeaways from this, right? And I think that's probably about all we can handle on a podcast today. So let's uh, let's explore those a bit, huh? Okay, great, great. Well, um, the first point that we found, um, again, because the Leesman data went back so long um, and was so extensive, was that hybrid work is not new. You know, everybody thinks that hybrid work and work at home came out of the pandemic, but not really. Uh, in fact, John and I have talked about this that a lot of companies were looking at space utilization rates that were, you know, at 70, 75% even before the pandemic. So clearly something was going on in terms of where people are working. And also the technology, which we've talked about, had evolved to where you really could do most jobs from anywhere. So hybrid was creeping up, hybrid meaning part in the office and part at home was creeping up even before the pandemic. But what exploded during the pandemic was the great decrease 
of people who work totally in office. And this has not really changed tremendously. It's up back to about 50%, but it's not where it was. And there was a huge increase from a very small number of people who worked in the home exclusively, like fully remote workers. And like I say, in the last quarter or two, this has adjusted a little bit, but fundamentally the trend is there. And, you know, when, for example, workplace only work went down by 5x during and after the pandemic, and then homeworking increased by 26x, which was a big change. Um, so that was point number one. It's not new, but it's it's changed. And I'd like to add a small piece to that, Chris, on that first point. And I, this is a, and it reflects something we emphasize here all the time. When we think about future work and talk about it here, you know, we, we're very conscious that this really applies to a segment of the workforce. Yes. And so here, as it, as it points out in that one of the slides, that you know what? Yes, some sectors are very good at the hybrid model. You say here, like media and entertainment. Whereas the workplace only environments are where you'd expect them to be. It says, you know, retail, legal and law, you know, certain types of work, there is no remote option. Just that's just the way it is. And, uh, but, and some are very good at home only. And so it says here technology, architecture, real estate, the kind of jobs that can be done almost entirely from anywhere. So it's exactly. not just one monolithic kind of uh, conclusion. Well, that's a great setup to my second point, which was hybrid adoption varies uh, across a whole number of axes and and dimensions. It's not a monolithic picture. There's an overall trend, but as John said, it definitely the the nature of of, of hybrid work and the degree to which people work outside the office it does vary by industry, but it also varies by tenure. So, for example, younger and less experienced workers feel a strong preference to work at home or reported that they were working from home more. Personally, I think that may adjust a little bit as we go into the post-pandemic phases, because if you think about somebody who'd been working less than four years, I mean, a large portion of that, they were forced to work at home. So that may adjust a, a little bit. It also varies by geo. It varies by geography which is interesting because it relates to a point we probably won't get to cover in detail today of how important things like commute are. We've talked about this a little bit, but there's some data in the study about this, about all these extraneous factors that influences people's willingness to come back to the office. And again, to reinforce John's point, we are talking about basically what one would traditionally call office workers or white collar workers for the most part. So we always acknowledge that there are whole segments of the workforce that have less of a choice in this. They're either out and about all the time because they are um, servicing or delivering or whatever, or they have to come back to a certain place um, because their facilities at that place that are specialized. But that was point number two is that this hybrid adoption varies and the the areas of variance are worth looking at if you look at the study. Yes, with translation is, you know, a hybrid work strategy would really need to be built around these variations, right? You wouldn't just right. have one approach for all types. So, you know, when you're thinking, if you're an IT person in an organization, you got to look carefully at, you know, the, the type of vertical you're in, maybe your geography, as you say, the demographic makeup of your workforce, all of those things come into play. 
Yeah. Yeah. So my, so the, the, the third point is that, and then there's a lot of data about this in the report, you know, more hybrid work happens at home because it supports some of the key activities that are the core component of most corporate jobs today. And that is individual focused work, which is, you know, working on something. So those of us who are in uh, this office world, you know, you can envision working on a spreadsheet, working on a report, thinking about something, a PowerPoint, individual focused work. And so a lot of people reported that the home environment actually supports that better than the traditional workplace. And this is tied into a lot of feedback that companies were getting just before the pandemic about the open workplace layout and how that was interfering with people's ability to concentrate. So, and also people found that working at home with tools like Zoom and Teams actually provided a much better audio and video conferencing experience than working in most rooms that support this. And certainly versus supporting a hybrid environment. Um, and now, you know, talking, the, this is a modern day equivalent of talking on the phone. And so they found that the home environment was was better. And they also found that the home environment was better for creative thinking, which can be a collaborative activity, but is also an individual um, activity. And following on that, we what, what, what Leisman found was that the overall worker satisfaction scores go up when the worker perceives that he or she can do each task in an optimal environment, though all the lines go up when, for example, if I am enabled to do individual focus work in the environment where I'm best suited to do that. And if I do collaboration connection in the environment, that's best suited to that. Um, and it, it was interesting because the satisfaction lines went up with things that you would think would only be peripherally related, like the quality of Wi-Fi and computers and technology and everything People feel better about that. They feel better supported when they're able to do their job content in the right environment for each key task. And so that is going to bear on thinking, hopefully, in the way uh, future offices are designed. Right, John? Yeah, yeah. And I really like, you know, in today's day and age, decision making is built more and more around data and metrics than, you know, gut feel. And for better or worse, but that's kind of how it's going. So when you look at data like this, I'm really glad to see that there's this mix of, you know, the, the the nuts and bolts of these are the tasks we do. So each type of task requires a different, you know, optimal environment. But also when you talk about worker satisfaction, I think at the end of the day, that's, that's what the HR folks really care about the most, right? Because that's 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 a pretty good indicator about how much, you know, how much training, how much replacement you're going to need to do and what do you have to do to retain and incent workers. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's looking at that outcome as a result of, well, if you give them that right mix of tools, our last future of work event, uh, Barbara Steele from uh, Ernst and Young, and she's returning as well for her research update. She, ha- she talked about their recent study, which, talked about this too. And what they found was very interesting is gaps in perceptions, what managers thought workers were happy with and what workers thought managers were happy with. And there's all kinds of gaps, right? And that's a a whole other thing. But I think here, the worker's satisfaction is so important to understand because, you know, if you believe in things like great resignation, 
you know, this blows hot and cold, as we've talked before. When the economy is good, workers have more choice. They're more in the driver's seat. Now this economy is like, well, you got to hold on to your job. I mean, the layoffs are left and right, big time. So we we may not really have to worry as much about worker satisfaction, but the pendulum goes back and forth all the time. And the bottom line is you got to keep your workers happy. Yeah, yeah. But I, I so a couple of comments on that. Number one is if you look, it, we didn't cover it extensively in this report because we wanted to focus on hybrid work. But if you look at Leesman's overall body of work, the way that they became well known and and because of the quality of the work was um, really surveying, you know, creating a scoring system. So they created an index called the LMI that they could, you know, a company could hire them to go do the survey and then they could compare all the scores versus a vast universe of other clients and cut it across demography, ge- geography, uh, every other axis, you know, industry to deter to, to kind of give a company a score of the um, uh, desirability, let's say, or the feeling mm-hmm. of support from their workplace versus the world. And a high LMI score over time had decent correlation with the ability to hire and retain people and overall um, levels of worker satisfaction. So that was the original purpose of these surveys, and they mm-hmm. still do it. Um, and they accumulate a lot of data points each quarter, but they also do a quarterly presentation that's always interesting that you can sign up for. So, yeah. it, um, yeah. but um, the the final point I want to just make on that one is that the survey we we surveyed um, a lot of different activities that and how do people feel about home versus the office? And one that was very interesting was that people people said quite clearly that the, they view the office as a place for connection, right? Which is very different from what it traditionally was. So collaboration, yeah, but as we said earlier, they feel very able to collaborate at home for the most part uh, if, they, if they need to. But they view the workplace as uh, to, re- to make connections with people and to engage in activities that require connection, like let's say an in-person brainstorming or a strategy meeting, you know, or hanging out and getting to know people, because then once you've done that, then you can be anywhere and you know who you're dealing with. And uh, it makes it more all work better. Now, that's great. And it's probably true. But think about the implication of that for office space, the layout and the quantity of space. Um, Right. So, I mean, that's going to lead into my fourth point. Yes. Which is from the real estate chiefs, is that the companies believe hybrid work is here to stay and the vast majority of them plan to embrace it in some level. There are the minority that say, come back to work five days a week, but a lot of people are at the two to three day point and they're already having some challenges getting people even back for that. But that's kind of broadly what seems to be the norm. And then there's also a a significant proportion who plan to change the layout of office space to support this collaborative communications and connection versus workstation layout. And a significant number of these 125 leaders are planning to reduce space overall. So that has a lot of implications because real estate is a huge market. And we've been talking about this 
before. So it's not clear exactly where it's all going to go. We have some theories about this, but the study definitely confirmed that their leadership is thinking about potentially operating with less space, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, just a little quirk in the research to me is that there was a small segment, I think it was 8%, who expect their real estate footprint to increase. Yes. I was wondering if you had any sense of what kind of scenarios those look like. Well, I, I think that that may be certain companies who are either operating with very little space because, for example, they grew a lot during the pandemic and they never took the space before the end of the pandemic. And I also think it's certain industries, like you might argue, retail might want location, you know, bank branches, things like that. Um, so it, it's it's a greater than zero, say they increase it, but the vast proportion say at best they'll keep keep what it is, but likely to reduce. Yeah. Well, in my limited travels to offices, uh, but I have been to a couple recently, um, and I just can't get over how there's just huge swaths of empty cubes that just go on and on and on in some of these spaces. And you really wonder, how are they, you know, first of all, it's the space itself that's sitting idle, but every desk has a phone, has a computer, you know, this, there's hardware, there, there's networking requirements that are just totally idle there. And I wonder, you know, is there a, you know, is there a carrying cost to all of this that's also an issue for some of these operations, right? That, you know, why do we have all this here when our employees are all working from home using their own personal equipment? What do they do with all this stuff? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, that that's a perfect tee up to the fifth point, mm-hmm. which which is about technology, right? Technology is absolutely crucial to this change and technology has to change. And the study highlighted a number of ways it could change um, and one of the things that they said, and this, I, I mean, it, 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 it's great to be Aruba and see this, but this actually came out of data that wasn't commissioned by us, um, that Wi-Fi is really important. And and surprisingly, people uh, feel that in some cases, home Wi-Fi is better than office Wi-Fi. And we actually dug into this because... Of course, this was a concern because, you know, we make office Wi-Fi. But what we found was that um, a lot of companies before the pandemic relied on those workstations, those Ethernet connected fixed locations. And the Wi-Fi was sort of it wasn't their main networking technology. It was put in to supplement it. So it could be for visitors. It could be if I happen to be visiting the office for a day as an employee. But what the survey showed was that mobile technology now has just become super important and that when the employees or workers or visitors are in the office, they want to be moving around. They will move to different locations to do different activities during the day. And so the the, the overwhelming network connection is going to be wireless. And so companies have to think about how do you provision this wireless with enough concentration and upgrade your networks and uh, provide all the security and other features so that um, uh, that 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 people who are in the office is primarily what they're going to use. And you know, there's been a trend toward all wireless offices, but it had it's really kicked up now because people bring their own equipment and want it to be seamless. And a lot of companies not only have to think about the tech, the the platform itself, but they have to think about 
you know, how do we make it more seamless when somebody's working at home versus the office, even in terms of logging in? Because a lot of companies, it's one experience to be remote and it's one experience to be in the office because they never thought your main thing in the office would be to use your own device, which they consider hostile. So there's going to be a lot of software work. And I think some some good business will be done on making that transition more, more seamless, like wherever you are. And um, so there were the other technology implication was um, audio visual that people really, they, they're very interested in, in, in doing hybrid conferences and collaboration sessions and other stuff we talk about in UC, but uh, you, you know, unified communications, but the equipment of today and the fit out of today is not seamless enough. And it's particularly lacking when it comes to hybrid meetings where one, you know, some uh, are remote and some are on site. That having been said, and I'll I'll stop after that, we see out in the field all the time. Um, and I see in my work and you may see in yours that things like conference rooms are actually very important to people. Like they'll come into the office to do that. And the way those rooms are measured and how the, the the utilization is managed and monitored is really important to real estate people because that's expensive space. And uh, they want to know how it's used. Should they put more? Should they put less? Should they put few little rooms, big rooms? How do they equip it? What sensors? What IoT? What AV technology? So the bottom line on this last point is that IT folks and vendors uh, and all participants in the space, integrators, VARs, et cetera, really need to think about how the techno environment needs to change coming out of the pandemic. That's a pretty good dose of free advice, don't you think? I think well, so. yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, it's interesting. I would urge people to read the study and we're here we're going to be at this future work and we're always contactable about this and hopefully it's useful uh but we it, you know it, it certainly reinforced a lot of stuff you and i've been thinking about talking about in this forum and you know what some of the thinkers about post-pandemic work have have said um, but it's good to see some data behind it exactly yeah we like the data we like the data Wow. Okay. We have got, uh, it's a rich analysis. Don't you think, Chris? I, I think there's a lot to think about here. And uh, that's why we're going to stop now because every time we start a topic, well, it takes a life of its own. And well, that's good, but we'll save it for next time. So I think we're going to call time on this now. This Great. is a good snapshot of the study, right? And uh, if you're coming to join us in Fort Lauderdale, wonderful. You'll get to see us, meet us. You can hear more about it from Chris on his uh, session uh, that he'll be speaking on a panel and uh, it's going to be, it's going to be good. Looking forward to it. And it goes without saying any, anyone from the North, all you have to know about this event is it's Florida, it's February. And yes, I'm there for the weather too. No doubt about it. Well, I hope I was able to squeeze it in to do it justice in this, <laughs> in this podcast. I would, I would say to our loyal listeners that, uh, You'll find out a lot more if you actually look at the look at the study. And uh, I may or may not have missed some key things that are important to you, but John and I tried to capture the synopsis today. Yeah, yeah, and the link will be in if, when you get the newsletter, folks, or on the website or of the podcast platforms where you get the podcast. 
the link will be there as well for public access. So on that, that we are at time for today's episode. So we want to thank you all for listening today. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it and you'll continue to stay with us as we explore the future of work here on Watch This Space. You can access all of our episodes at www.watchthisspace.tech or wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. All the big platforms, we're there. So if you like what you're hearing, and we'd love to get a review or comments from you or a rating and suggestions for future topics. With that, I will sign off now. John Arnold here. And Chris Fine. Thank you, John, very much. As always, it's great to, to be with you on this podcast. And folks, thank you to all of our listeners. We always welcome your comments. And uh, we may see some of you at Future of Work, but we hope to see all of you back again next month on Watch This Space.